everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Cal FM. This should be um, around about three o'clock on a Friday. I don't know which day of the month this is because I'm back doing them in my wardrobe because it's the best place for acoustics. I'm Isabel Crowther. This is Femme Creators. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, today we have a very, very special guest. We've got Luani on the show. Woo! <laughs> I did pronounce that correctly, didn't I? Yes, I'm very, very impressed, actually. Thank you so much, because I spent a, an embarrassing amount of time trying to make sure that I said your name correctly. And you know, you're like, <laughs> right, I'm going to have a t- tiny meltdown just before you say it. It's like, oh, no, what if I do get this wrong? But it's fine. And just really great. You did great. You did thank, great. <laughs> thank you. That's, that's, as someone is, if someone is validating me, everything's fine. <laughs> so... Would you like to introduce yourself? I know you through your fantastic YouTube channel. It's it's an absolute delight. But would you like to say what else you do in your career or life or hobbies or whatever? Sure. Um, so my name is Luani and I am a director. I make uh, motion projects and that's kind of a new um New thing I've been doing this last couple of years, but I'm most proud of being a creative partner with my um, photographer husband and a dog mom. I'm a dog mom to possibly the cutest dog on earth. (laughs) And um, yeah, one of my big passions, actually, my only other big passion is How to Five Two. And it's this project that was born out of my experience from being a professional wardrobe stylist here in LA and um, what that did with my head as a short petite girl. So that's that's a very interesting career development that you've got going on. You've, you've worn a lot of hats. Yes, yes. And I used to be somewhat self-conscious of it, but you know what? I don't settle down and I think it's better to start something new no matter how late it is and um, always be in pursuit of creative fulfillment and just happiness fulfillment. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a, a windy road for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose it, it affects everything. It enriches not only your life, but also everything else that you do in your career. It must enrich your future endeavors. So there's there can be no hard edge to that, I would have thought. Yeah, um, I think that the one disadvantage is, for example, my best friend, she's been at the same company since we graduated high school. And she got to go on sabbatical and she, I definitely see the benefit to sticking to one thing. And um, like my photographer husband, Aaron, he's been into photography ever since high school and now he's represented and worked for dream clients. And that's not to say that can't happen for me, but I've definitely, um, I see the disadvantage to keep switching around. But then again, I am not the type of person to just um, stick with something if I'm not a hundred percent happy with it. <laughs> that's a that's a really good thing to say. That's a really beneficial thing to hear. I think rather than being like it's all positives, it's all sunshine and rainbows. It's really nice to hear something that that is real and authentic to you. So I appreciate. Yeah, that. yeah, of course. <laughs> so um, go on, carry on. Oh, I was just gonna say I really don't know how to sugarcoat things and. Um, overtly honest sometimes <laughs> that that is beneficial that is really beneficial especially for for interviewing that's 
a dream, isn't it? Because <laughs> you always get to the truth. Journalists want to get to the truth. Not that I am a journalist. It just, this is, this is a separate thing. Anyway, let's carry on. So what got you into being a stylist? And did you have any formal education in anything? Because I was really interested to know whether, whether you do have any formal education, whether that be in filmmaking or photography, or whether you went to school to study fashion or whatever. Yeah, I actually did go to school to study fashion. I actually worked really hard uh, and I got a full ride to go to the Savannah College of Art and Design. And um, there I majored in, I was in track to major for fashion design, but later I decided to double major also in fashion design, marketing and management. So, um, and I did it all in like four years. So I, I worked really hard. I always look back at my experience just throughout high school and college. And I was definitely the person that prioritized work and I wanted to get good grades. And I questioned that a lot because it's not like after you graduate, you put your grades in your resume. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. The summer before I graduated, I interned in New York City for Isaac Mizrahi. And there I realized that I wasn't interested in the manufacturing aspect of the industry. So to be honest, I'm not a good designer. I really don't enjoy um, sourcing and talking to factories. And that is just like not my jam at all. So I was lucky to after school find a couple of jobs within the marketing departments of fashion companies. So um, when I moved out to LA, it was to work for Perry Alice's like contemporary brands. And it was super awesome that was like definitely a dream job because it was only like the uh, head of marketing and myself doing everything from like the website to going to trade shows to, um, yeah. I would work with this uh, uh, woman and she really just was too busy to supervise me. So it was great. I got to design, like I said, websites. And then I even got to go to trade shows and set up the booths and I would design like the big banners you would see at trade shows like Magic and Project. Um, and for those of you that don't know what those are, they're like, uh, they happen in Vegas twice a year and they're like massive convention center. And every single brand that you can ever imagine is there. And buyers are there from all over the world um, buying for their stores or online shops or whatever you have it. Um, so yeah, I think that's when I was just like, okay, cool. I like, I'm not interested in making clothes or designing them, but there is a place for me to present whatever designers have already made. So uh, like photo shoots, that's when I was just like, oh my God, whatever this is, this is like really awesome. Like I really enjoyed making the shot list and preparing and going and getting crafties and um, getting food for everybody. And then at the shoot, like the excitement of having like everyone arrive and um, I think that's when I really saw what a stylist does. Um, and I was completely oblivious. I mean, from the get-go, I feel like people think that styling is glamorous, but I knew it wasn't because I saw the behind the scenes of the, uh, they get there, they have to unload their car, they have to like pretty much set up a mini boutique. And then um, for the brands that we were shooting, it was all clothing, so it was a lot of shoes and a lot of accessories. And then uh, it just looked fun. You got to like play dress up with the model and the art directors. And then you would kind of have a say sometimes in like, 
oh, this dress looks really cool if you close it like this or um, yeah, that was kind of like the unveiling of like what styling was in my world. <laughs> so does do you have one particular shoot in your mind that you really remember and that you really remembered as a very fun day and you came away feeling like you'd succeeded and you'd done your job really well? I just have so many great memories of starting to shoot with Aaron, um, which I guess there is a gap between what I just said about my uh, job at Perry Ellis to when I started styling. So whatever, what ended up happening, I left that job actually to work for this company. I hope you guys don't know what it is. It was called Shootazzle. And, uh, Kim Kardashian had something to do with it, but they offered me a really great uh, like pay raise. And I was able to move to Santa Monica, which I always wanted to do at the time. And the job itself wasn't that great, but everybody that I worked with was amazing. And now that I look back on that, I'm like, oh, like the product wasn't great, but the people are now all doing like really amazing things. Um, so from there, I got just introduced into the like startup world, which is not my vibe at all. Like it's very performance number based, like they want to get everything down to a formula. So uh, I fortunately ended up at a job where my boss was verbally abusive and I never thought I would do this, but I quit on the spot and with no savings, no nothing. Yeah, it was not an experience I would want my worst enemy to go through. Um, So I remember just coming home and telling Aaron, just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like we were... uh, engaged or recently married and I know that he was shooting a lot of skate photography if he wanted to get out of that and so um I think what we I don't know how the decision came about but in that moment our careers aligned and it was great like we decided we were going to live in a very small budget and just develop our books just do a bunch of shoot and start creating the work that we wanted to do so um, we got to creative direct a bunch of shoots for fun. We would just hit up like model agencies through my work at shoot as I knew a couple of like hair and makeup artists that I hit up and while they were interested, they gave me their assistance information and we started working with them. Um, and so fast forward four months later, Aaron got represented, which was amazing. And then a few months after that, I was represented by Jed Root. And although they're now debunked, I remember they were like my only dream agency. And I thought that that was going to like change my life, but it didn't. Having an agent really actually didn't do much for me at all. I just, I got to do a couple more editorials, but I don't think i wouldn't have done it if I wasn't represented so it's like during that time span I think about going back to your question of like when my favorite shoot was and although I did get to shoot a lot of ad campaigns and I got to work with like Sophia Ritchie I truly didn't enjoy any of those like jobs as much as I enjoyed just working with Aaron on our first shoots like the excitement of having full creative direction and having like a group of creatives that believes in your vision and is there to just have fun and execute it is really fun like um there's just something about doing 
projects for fun, I guess, that doesn't compare to having to look to this one person, whether it be your client or art director and just wanting to please them. But then you have to realize that they also have like superiors to please. And it's just like this big uh, corporate, like, I don't know, thing that happens that creativity just gets dissolved into nothingness. <laughs> that's that's very, very enlightening. Um, and I can totally understand where you're coming from. And I think anyone could understand where you're coming from. And it's just very inspiring to hear someone who's really going after what they want and really thinking about the art and and not thinking just what will what will look good to everybody else and you're caring about how how you see yourself which is lovely which is what we like to hear on femme creators on the show oh thank you yeah I I always talk actually with my mom about the fact that I I never got the life lesson and neither did she about having to like I don't know I don't even know how to like explain it but to play the game in a way, like whether that be in our corporate setting or I feel like in some social settings, especially here in LA where you just like know who to please and how to talk and kind of mold your personality to fit certain scenarios. I've always like kind of, I've always been like this, which hasn't been necessarily the easiest thing because I do feel like there is a value in how to make friends and like make that book that I read that I was just like, I don't really know the value of this. Have you heard that about that book? No, which one? It's, oh, it's how to make friends and influence people. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I like read that book because I was like, I didn't really know any of those principles before I read that book. And even after I read it, I was just like, okay, cool. Yeah, I should try to do some of this stuff. But at the end of the day, I forget and I just go revert back to like, oh, cool. Let's just be like normal, good human beings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just thinking about the correlation between that book and kind of capitalism. There is also like a huge correlation with the book. Um, and again, I, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that book and people who live and abide and know how to quote unquote play the game because in settings like Instagram and social media, I feel like that is what makes you really succeed and ultimately have a nice life. Um, so I don't know, maybe somebody out there can teach me the ways. <laughs> maybe. Maybe they can teach us both, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, well, clearly, someone will definitely have done some kind of online course for that. Maybe yeah. we should just go online and pay someone <laughs> to teach us the ways of the books that we've already bought. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I've got a very weird sense of humor. The other day I read a uh, article title that was like, there's been more online courses now, more than ever. And I'm sure it was written better than that. But I thought to myself, wow, if you wanted to learn something, now would be the time. But I find myself just as busy during the time than I was before. So I don't know. <laughs> I think you've probably, through all that, those four years of education and your whole life experience, I think you've got more information in your head than <laughs> most people anyway. So I don't know how <laughs> you might you might be full to capacity. That's my thinking, but sometimes we like to over like intellectualize things. It's like, can I have as much yes! 
as much information as possible and then we don't actually do anything with the information that we've got we just want more information to pretend that we're doing things which Mm -hmm. is my life I'm fully aware that I am that person yeah I that is so true I tend to do that a lot and I think it's really easy to get caught up in that if you really enjoy like expanding your knowledge and just yeah 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 so do you have any this is just going off off topic entirely do you have any fame favorite musicians female musicians I actually really really like which man I'm kind of embarrassed to embark in this uh, music conversation because I am so embarrassed like to admit to the fact that I was never the person to seek like actively seek music out in high school I had like the worst taste in music and I still carry that some of that with me like dirty rap which I've learned to let go of because I listen to those lyrics and I'm like wow really you (laughs) said that um but I think I started getting really really interested after I went to Coachella like way long ago before it is what it is now and um we saw the yeah yeah yes and the lead singer um it like she like killed it she was so good she made me like the rush of energy of whatever I felt going through my body was like life-changing so I really like her Karen um and ever since then um I've like really enjoyed curating music um and I hate to say it but I just have a Spotify account and I have all these playlists and every time I hear something new I just like go to uh that person and then like kind of like go on this rabbit hole of like oh what's her and what's her and what's her so then my most recent find that I'm like really obsessed with is Natalia Laforcade and she um is a Mexican uh, singer I believe and she has like a couple of songs in French which I, my dream is to be fluent in French also. Um, so she's really great. And then through her, I found um, like Jenny and the Mexicats. Uh, they're another really great thing. And she just has a beautiful voice. And Carla Morrison, she is also really, really great. So um, as you can see, there is like a pattern of me wanting to reconnect with my Mexican Hispanic roots. <laughs> lately. Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? I know you said we were going to talk about films and I've kind of been freaking out about that because as somebody who directs motion projects, I know that's a subject that I should be like on top of and get super artsy and just go on this whole talk and it's just not me. <laughs> One of my favorite <laughs> movies is Mean Girls and Bridesmaids. <laughs> <laughs> but but they, oh. they are genius films. I feel like people belittle things that are made for women and that are humorous. It's like because Mean Girls is a teen film, therefore it has no value because people don't appreciate teen girls. Yeah, I feel like the reason why those two films in particular have resonated in my life is because of what we've been talking about of like, I sometimes actually not all like sometimes most of my life, I felt like Lindsay Lohan and Mean Girls where you walk into the setting and you're like, obliviously kind and miss people making fun of you or like saying certain things and 
like seeing her go through that journey of like that and then she becomes a mean girl not that I've ever become a mean girl but I've definitely like have snapped backs where I'm like oh screw everybody I'm not gonna hang out with everybody I don't need anybody I just have my husband and my dog and like I love what I do and I'm just gonna devote all of my energy into my projects and I've definitely been in those dark places before and um just because I feel like women and girls don't realize that like those little things like rolling your eyes at somebody or like making the snark comment can really impact somebody when they're just so unaware of what's happening. Um, mm. I think that there is not that like Mexicans and where I grew up, people weren't mean, but it was just a different kind of being mean where it was just more in your face. So like that culture shock of like coming to the U S and having sarcasm be a thing where it wasn't as prevalent in Mexico. It, was a huge learning curve that I still feel I go through sometimes. Mm, don't come to the UK then. That's all we have. Hey. Sarcasm. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have. We're really, we're, we sound nice, but we're really mean. We're really, <laughs> we're really mean. Okay, I wasn't going to say anything, but since you brought it up, um, um, several years ago, I met up Aaron in London my dream had always been to London and I was on this flight like so excited we're gonna go to London and then Amsterdam and this guy uh, this American was like the whole plane was empty and he was kind of sitting at the end of the row and I was he's like man you sound really excited to go and I was just like yeah I mean it's so you always see it in the movies and it's just so fancy and just like all the cliches that you can think of were in my head and he gave me a fair warning. He's like, everyone's really mean. You're really nice. Just be ready to like experience something. I was like, what? No, like I did not believe him. And then, yeah, most definitely. I feel like it's a different kind of humor. Like we would ask, I don't know if there was a few instances where we would be like, where's the bathroom? So like some strangers just do like ask some dumb tourist question and um, they looked at us and they would just repeat the question. And at first I thought that they couldn't hear me. So I repeated it back. And then I later caught on that them repeating the question in a certain tone was them making fun of us. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think will try to like be self-aware now on. I think that that's an especially mean person, but I think I lived in London for three years and it's, it's, um, the underground is an experience. Oh my God. It's just, it's delightful. Um, you, I mean, you come out the tube, you blow your nose, it comes out (laughs) black. It's it's just, it's so yummy. It's just the best. Yeah. Yeah. People um, are mean and uh, the old ladies that you're like, oh, sweet old dears, you get on the tube. Oh, no, they will. They will run you down and they are tough. <laughs> like London Cockney birds, like old London, London Cockney birds are tough as nails. You can't kill them. I'm sure there's like a Margaret that's been around for like 200 years. You can't. They're, they're just immortal. Yeah. <laughs> this is not what we're here for. <laughs> oh, it's all right. <laughs> Me reliving London. It's like flashbacks. Harsh, harsh people. They are hey. pretty I think that's a perfect word to describe Londoners. They're just harsh. Yeah. You have to pierce. 
that very very tough exterior and then yeah. you get into the good stuff but they're so hard on the outside and it takes so yeah. much effort to like wear them down um yeah I mean it's like any person isn't it like everyone's really good on the inside but they really they're so tough they're so tough Londoners yeah I feel like if I were to go back I'd definitely do better it's like kind of that New York thing where it's like every mm. time I go back I do I think that is the one place that like a different side of me comes out but it's just because I'm pretty familiar with the city so it's like I walk faster I don't look at anybody in the eye and like <laughs> have a mission you know it's like once yeah. you step at the door you better have a mission to walk with purpose or else you will get run don't over. look like you're lost people <laughs> will know all right then so do you have any favorite female icons so it could be scientists oh my god visual artists like who are your favorite female icons Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So she's like, I feel, I hope she, I see her become president in my lifetime. I'm still getting over the heartbreak of Bernie. And I purposely have not thought about that <laughs> since it happened because... I apologize to bring that yeah. <laughs> You remember. I mean, I like kind of feel tears coming out. I feel like... <laughs> I really haven't been into politics whatsoever. And I feel like I've, through my lifetime, there's been some very monumental things happen, like Obama happened and I don't know. But with Bernie, it was like, I had to, it was impossible for me to not get into politics because he was talking about all the things that are, I was worried about that I felt like politicians didn't care about, which was like climate change and economic inequality. It's just like, I remember I had this conversation with somebody and I was going um I was talking about how it would be great that if there was the $15 minimum wage and she turned around and she was like well in high school I wouldn't have needed to make that much money and it hit me right there that like oh because you didn't have to work while you went to school like people that didn't not that I am like bitter about having to work twice as hard to get to where my friends are um but I think that the people that don't get the importance of these policies like Medicare for all and um, minimum wage they speak from a certain like level of uh, privilege and I feel like especially now with COVID coronavirus going on it's like I now like imagine if we had healthcare for all, like, would this be better? And most definitely would be better because now we're working with a fragmented system that is just giving us like roadblocks at every turn. And yeah, um, so I feel like with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez being in the picture and I hope she runs for Congress sometime soon and then runs for president, I feel like she would make a huge impact in um, just this country and hopefully would bring it back on track. But hopefully we don't have to wait that long. Hopefully it gets back on track before this. But I don't, not optimistic, to be honest, at this moment. Um, anyway, you asked me about icons, not politics. <laughs> no, that, no, that counts. That definitely counts. And, and politics um, is important. Yeah. Obviously. And I, I, I mean... I'm like very hesitant to have any kind to put anybody in a pedestal, to be completely honest, 
I've had the misfortune of meeting a lot of people that I really looked up to and just been deeply disappointed by their humanness. Um, but I don't really know of, like nobody really comes to mind. Um, and if I'm really thinking about it, I think back on like school and who I was taught that was a great artist. And it's a large portion of men. I mean, you have that example of Beethoven where like his sister, I believe, um, was just as talented, if not more talented than he was, but she wasn't given the same opportunities. And therefore we have what, we don't know anything about her. And so um, I'm really looking forward to learning more or like having people learn in school more about like women artists and hopefully somebody in 20 years or maybe not, maybe 10 years from now can say that they went to school and really learned about somebody that impacted their lives. But mm -hmm. I, to be completely honest, I'm not going to pretend and say that that's me right now. <laughs> No, that's fair. I think I was, interestingly, I was talking to, interviewing someone for, for the show um, before you, and she's like a 16-year-old bedroom producer. She's very, very talented. She's called Alina. And I was staggered by how smart she was and how educated she was. And I mean, I'm not very old. I'm only 25. But, but that gap between her being 16 and me being 25, that nine years of her basically living with the whole of the internet and her being so educated and having taken it upon herself to educate herself on all different kinds of things outside of education was just really interesting. I mean, I definitely, um, I think that's awesome. I think that they're, I'm very hopeful for that generation to like come out on like be adults and have a say and vote. I think that they're going to, they definitely have like a different way of thinking. Because like you just said, um, she just went to the internet and learned whatever she wanted to learn. And I feel like I, I'm still a very like old school person by some standards. But then I listen to things like that. I'm like, yeah, I had the internet. Like I could have done that. And so I think um, perhaps this is doesn't feel like the best thing to do. But to be honest, a lot of I have to take responsibility for not knowing more about like female artists because it's not like there's a lack of there right now. It's just that I've not, I haven't taken that initiative to learn more about them. So, so where do you find inspiration from? I know we're going off on a tangent again. I'm like a drive-by <laughs> person. I'm like, this one, this one, this one. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. But where do you find your inspiration? Do you find it in films or books, that kind of thing? Or do you do a lot of Pinterest? Um, or do, do you just find inspiration in the present moment? I think, honestly, it's more about like inspiration as far as I think it's different. So like I, my head goes like for my personal style, I, I definitely don't like to look at anything or anyone for inspiration hundred percent of the times, because then you have the whole thing of, yeah, this looks a certain way on this body type that we all know is very popular in the media. And then you go and try it yourself and it looks completely different. And I think it's actually really sad to uh, like acknowledge the fact that like that body type is not only popularized by editors and the people on top of whatever publication, but it's actually popularized on social media too. I mean, you look at whoever has the most followers and 
like there's definitely a cluster of these girls um, that have a certain body type, look a certain way, and have a massive amount of followers. Um, so I don't. I think for my personal style, I genuinely find where I branch out the most going to a thrift store and then um, finding things that are really interesting and like have a cool pattern. The fabric looks cool, something's cool, and then I try it on. And I'm like oh, okay, cool. Yeah, this is like actually two sizes too big, but it, it looks like cool. So um, I like think that's where I like get most of like my it like style inspiration where I branch out. And then I do like go and look at people who kind of have the similar body type than I do and see how they're wearing things. So it's like a mashup of that. Um, but for projects that I... I don't know, like for bigger projects is definitely more of a life experience. Like our for Aaron's and I first co-directing motion project is about um, the sexism that happens within skateboarding. And so it's this three minute piece. And it's um, these three girls that are world renowned skateboarders and they're doing their thing. And we had them read online comments from their videos on YouTube. And they're like, really, I mean, I, you probably, have, if I read one, you'd probably have to beep out the entire thing. Mm-hmm. It's really, really nasty stuff that they get commented on. And so um, I think that project is definitely one of my proudest projects that I've ever done. And that was born out of like my experience, like in high school where my boyfriend at the time and all his friends were skateboarders and there was always like this misconnection of like oh I'm gonna go skate and then I'd have to be home and I didn't have a lot of friends and so I was like I always wanted to join that and I was friends with them but it was always a divide between the two and I watched skate videos with them and I would be there when they were talking about skating and um I always felt like I wasn't allowed to be in it also because of the conversations that would happen about the one girl that did go to a skate park that one day, but what was wearing the wrong shoes and she just ate so much shit and they were like laughing about it and not really helping her out. Like maybe they would have, if it was like some little boy, you know? Um, so I think that experience combines with Aaron's experience of skateboarding and making a, having made a good living out of it for several years, um, like was the product of that project. And then actually I'm working on a video for my YouTube channel. That's all about like formulas of how to work from home. Um, and that was just out of my literally disappointment of myself of not, dressing very well day to day when I'm working from home but then I go on walks and I it's something weird about like at home I can dress whatever way I want and I won't have a feeling about it but then as soon as I walk my dog it's like something about being outside and I'm like oh man I'm like kind of disappointed in myself like I really like style I love my clothes but I didn't I could dress better and they would make me feel better I'm not doing it out of to like please anybody Uh, And so this video is, I'm like really excited about it, actually. It's like a, like a five different formulas of outfits that are super comfy to wear at home. And then you just throw like a layer and piece and shoes and walk outside and you can feel super cute. 
so yeah, that's where I, I feel like my biggest source of inspiration, if I had to say one, it would definitely just be like my experiences through life and the way they make me feel. And in a way, either like with the skateboarding one, it was definitely like bringing to light an issue that maybe some aren't aware of. And then uh, I think even more prevalent with Had to Five Two, um, it's just like offering a solution to a something an issue or a situation that made me feel a certain way that I know wasn't unique to me but is also shared by other petite girls do you have a process for your work so you're you're coming with a with ideas and you're kind of making things that that through the ideas that you've lived through is there a particular process that you go through um we could talk about it for the separate parts of your your work life or your your life life your hobbies or whatever but is there a particular process that you go down of right I'm going to do a video I've got an idea then I do this then I do that is there something that you always follow or is it like more of a um a smash and grab situation you're just like I'm mad genius I just do (laughs) things right now um I feel like when Aaron and I uh, want to do like co-direct emotion project together, it's only happened once. So we only have that one video out. And then we were actually, we were, we have several things in the works, but all of them have had a different approach to them by nature because they're all very different. Um, and they all were put to a halt with uh, coronavirus now being in the picture. So I feel like, unfortunately, that aspect of my career is just literally put on like for like on a stop until further notice. And so I can talk about how to five two. And um, before with how to five two, it started very much as a I'm going to just dress cute and go on a walk and Aaron's going to film us and then I'm going to put a video together. And so it was not very planned whatsoever and then I realized that like not how do I say this okay so with YouTube it's very much like in the beginning I just wanted to do it for fun but then to do something for fun for so long and devote so much time and effort into it but have it not grow I think it does affect me and I don't know if I like that's for everybody but I feel like the growth of a project is very important for the uh, to stay encouraged and have like maintain a certain momentum to it. And so I had to learn the hard way that as with everything else with social media, everything you do with YouTube has to be calculated. Like I didn't know it was funny. I do you know Madeline De La Rosa? I do. Uh, La Madeline, I think it's her YouTube name. I, pro- I probably do. Oh, um, no, she, I do. Oh, I'm a liar. I'm a liar. No, I do. I do know who you're talking about. Yes. She she does like all of her work is very Wes Anderson vibe. Um, so she was the one that actually did an inspired video. And through her, a bunch of people found me. And so um, we hung out a few times. And in our con- one of our conversations, I remember being like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that in order to grow on YouTube, I read the other day that you can do like um, the same format video. So like, I don't, I'm like blanking out, but like 
people tend to copy the concept of one video and just recreate it their own way kind of thing. And I'm so, I was so oblivious to that concept that she's like, yeah, you didn't know that. And I mean, she's been on YouTube for forever before it was even cool. Um, so now I've really made an effort to learn about how to grow a YouTube and do all the things you need to do to like have people find you. Uh, and so one of the things, most important things that I've heard over and over again is how you need to be like pay for TubeBuddy, which is this plugin that goes into Chrome. And everything that you do has to start with a good title. And so um, you type in, like for this video that I most recently made, I wrote down like a bunch of like titles that I thought would be not only accurate for the video, but also would get a lot of clicks. And then you go into this program, you type in the, the title and it'll give you a grading from like zero to a hundred. And so fortunately I was able to optimize my video to get a hundred out of a hundred. And so that's the way I am now starting every video is like with a title. And then um, I do like an outline of like what I want the video to do to be. So it's like the intro and then um, I want to show, I don't know, it's like I kind of start thinking about shot lists. And so from the outline, then I go to the shot list and it's no, I don't know if you can tell, but it's no secret that I'm not very good at talking on camera. Like most of my videos, they're not your normal filmed in your bedroom videos. And so I finally found a solution for that. And that's to just write literally an outline and Aaron was able to find this teleprompter, teleprompter app on um, the iPhone. And I'm going to be trying it out for this video where it's just like this teleprompter that shows up on your phone. And I'm going to be filming with my phone and I've practiced it. And it is the best thing ever. Like I might've been like a zero before, but now talking into a camera, it's going to be like a piece of cake. I don't want to jinx myself because I haven't done it yet, but um yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that I, to be completely honest, I am still troubleshooting my workflow as far as like my YouTube videos, but I'm very optimistic about this new, like start with the title, do the shot list, write whatever you're going to say into camera. And then I schedule out the shoot date. So I try to consolidate them. Um, but because I film outside, I, it varies on the weather. So for example, yesterday it said that today was going to be cloudy. So although I still have to film like the talking into the camera portion of it, I didn't get up early and get ready. So I'm actually really upset that it's sunny and I could have done it today. <laughs> um, so there is like, I have now built in like a cushion. So I'm only going to be posting twice a month. And so it's, I think that'll give me room to play, give me flexibility, flexibility with the weather and whatnot. Um, and so once everything's uh, filmed, I'm hoping that the editing process won't take as long because that used to take me a long time. So I would spend a whole complete eight hour days for a whole week on one video, which is not sustainable at all. Um, and yeah, I think that, once I finish editing a video, I always have this feeling of like, oh, great, I'm done. And then I have this whole like 
other portion, which is like, I guess the other really big thing in YouTube is to have an engaging thumbnail, which having, I haven't even spoken about my graphic design background, but anyway, I started doing graphic design in high school. So I have like art director graphic design ten- tendencies and a lot of those really catchy thumbnails <laughs> aren't very well designed. And so it's like a huge battle within myself of like, how do I make myself get closer to that without feeling like I'm selling out in a way? <laughs> um, and yeah, then I hate writing the descriptions, actually. I'm like, I just want people to see the video, not need anything else. <laughs> I just get it to this point where I'm like, so kind of like I wanting to put this thing out that like every I feel like all these things are just preventing me from getting there that I just kind of have a bad attitude about it I'm like and then I put something out there and doesn't get as many views and I'm like oh all right cool it's good to know I did it for myself before anything so (laughs) I made this thing take it I did (laughs) yeah I did all the work just (laughs) have it the worst is when I something's been up for like a day and somebody comments like oh there's no subtitles or like where is that info and you're like how did I spend all this time but forgot that one little thing like ah it's just the worst feeling ever (laughs) well I think that you know you've done all that work It, it must feel really really disheartening when you're like oh one little thing and that would be helpful yeah. But you, you've got, you've got more creativity in your little finger than most people. You, you've oh. got, you've got a, a really um, amazing eye. I think. Like, thank you. I, I really do. And I'm, and your, your husband who shoots um, some of it must be has a beautiful eye. Like, how did you study um, any kind of, or even if it's just self-taught, anything to do with? color and how they work together like how much of that is do you think is your natural ability and how much of that is studied I don't know I think that's like a hard question to answer because while I do feel like ever since I was little I like loved arranging my mom's decorations I always really liked visual things um and I feel like I've always had a knack for it but then I look at the like what I would wear in college and I'd be like uh I had no style in college it was quite terrible and I did go to school like all through uh, me getting my BFA um I took color theory and all these um foundational courses that I maybe that helped me um I so you I don't know a I mixture of the two I think so um yeah, I mean, I did when I was in high school. I do you guys do homeschool over there? Yes, you can. Yeah, you can homeschool your children. Okay, so that's not. I didn't know oh. about that in Mexico. Okay. And so when I came to the U.S., my friend, I was like my first year. I was at a Christian um, middle school, and that was an awful, awful experience because. Um, not only was it the culture shock and not being able to speak English, but also everybody in that school was pretty wealthy and we weren't uh, by all means. Um, And so then my friends from school told me about homeschooled and their mom offered to help out. And so I like homeschooled for a few years, but then we moved. And so then had to transfer to public high school. Anyway, 
long story short, I ended up with a ton of credits from homeschooling. And I had this option to go to this career tech center where I signed up for the visual imaging course. And that's where I learned um, like all the Adobe suite programs. So like Photoshop, InDesign, Illustrator. Um, and I feel like at that point, that's really when I started, um, when I like, it was the first time in my life that I was in a class that it was clearly that I had an, an advantage over everybody. Like I was never really, I feel like even in art school, you do very like traditional things like paint and draw. And I'm not very good at either of those. Um, but there was something about having, do I don't know, having like doing something in, a, I don't know, Illustrator or Photoshop and have it all be about visual and not about like technical skill. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That it really let my ability like, my talents like shine through and uh that was I think very like a great thing to have happened before I graduated high school because then I went into um college with a newfound confidence and just knowing that like okay this is the one thing that for whatever reason I'm like more inclined to and I it comes to me easier so I know I could make a living out of this because it was scary to be in all these like other classes and be like, not only do I'm like not understand this easily, but like, I hate all of this. <laughs> oh, there was my first bleep. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing so good. Oh, uh, no, you said, you said something else earlier as well. It's fine. You didn't even hear uh, it. Like it's all of the ducks back. It's fine. Oh, man, it's really I need to stop swearing so much. <laughs> No, it's good. It's good. Honesty, authenticity. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to, um, I was talking to some uh, really talented, actually, filmmaker. And I he was on a panel in a public space and he was swearing a lot. And I went up to him afterwards and I was just like, not only about like the fact that he was swearing, but he just had this unapologetic like confidence and just like, said things that like people would normally say in the public setting because as you said people when they are given a platform they're very politically correct and they don't want to offend anybody or ruffle any feathers and so I told him that and that how I just thought that was amazing and how I really wanted to just be more like that and he turned to me he's like well yeah I'm a dude though and you're a woman Whoa. you have it but he didn't say it like in a. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. Especially like. No, okay. no, no. No, okay, he, would, he said it. Calm down. <laughs> in a way that was more like, I mean, yeah, yeah, you can, but like, you have it a lot harder. Like, you have to. Like, he pretty much acknowledged the fact that although we are both minorities, I, as a woman, even have it harder than he did. And he's like, I've had, like, it took me a while to get here. And even now I have to tone myself down. There was like one of his producers standing next to him. He's like, yeah, he like, he definitely gets himself into bad situations with clients and um, I would not recommend it. And so I'm like, oh man, like I wish that that wasn't the case, but it is. Yeah, I suppose you've got to be perceived as more air quotes ladylike. Um, Right. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a, that's a weird thing, isn't it? 
acting ladylike. Like, what does that? Oh yeah, I know. What does that mean? Exactly, and it's it's just so outdated. Incredibly outdated. Even people who act ladylike, there's nothing wrong with acting ladylike. It's just like the desire for someone else to make you that, but is so yeah. weird. Like men are allowed to be very, very different and have an infinite amount of molds um, that they can pick from, but there are fewer molds for um, for women. I mean, to be honest, since we're on this topic, I ex- since working with Aaron in this project, <clears throat> um, I'm just going to... So the skate video uh, project is called Above the Noise. And so we had a couple of premieres, one in LA and one in New York. And it was definitely an interesting experience. Um, obviously, there's two of us, but people did tend to talk to him more and ask him more questions about our project and even our friends. I know that they don't do it from a malicious place, but I did listening to his conversations and just like uh, knowing what I was being asked I think that I was being more asked about like, how are you guys? And like more personal things to where he was asked more of the um, intellectual, technical questions of our project. Yeah, that must be quite disheartening. Yeah, yeah, it it is. And I hate to say it, but it's definitely nothing new um, at all. Mm. <laughs> and And I feel like I it's a common thing. It must not be like an exclusive thing to us, but uh, I think there's something about, uh, I don't know about people getting like you go to school and all you see on TV is like uh, a male lead on everything. And so you go to this thing and it's the male and female and maybe unsubconsciously people just make that assumption. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree that people don't do it maliciously. It's it's social conditioning, isn't it? It's it's very yeah. weird. So yeah. weird. Yeah, just thinking about it now. It's like going back through all my relationship and being like, yeah, that happened to me. It's like, oh, yeah, really, yeah. really annoying. <laughs> really annoying. The amount of times. Or it's like um, I'm... I'm I'm a singer-songwriter and I've been in bands and um, people will always come up to the dudes in the band and speak to the guys in the band but not me as the front singer or even me as like I'm presenting myself as Isabel Crowther um and they'll be like you know go and talk to the male guitarist and I'm not me the person who's actually the show that it is um yeah very weird very very weird um so um are you still in that band um no I'm now I'm now like a solo artist but I've i produce stuff um so I'm working with a producer at the moment so now I'm doing more kind of pop things trying to live out my ideal Kylie Minogue lifestyle Um, yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing Um, yeah because I I listen to a lot of Grimes so um like production is is really important to me because only three percent of I mean you didn't come here to to listen to me talk but um no no I'm like genuinely interested (laughs) um thank you I really appreciate that um that only three percent of um women in in three percent of people who produce uh in the music industry are women um wow. it's like a massive disparity and and I I would like to be on the forefront of like making that 
a, a change so um it's awesome important it's really important um well, I'm over here cheering for you and your success because that does need to change yes thank you you're very very kind so what are your hopes and dreams for the future they can be career goals or personal goals where would you like to where do you see yourself Man, nobody's asked me that in such a long time. And I usually always like make sure to ask myself that like every so often. Um, wow. Yeah, that's kind of weird to realize. Question. Yeah, no, I'm like a very like goal driven person. Um, I think honestly, I kind of stopped uh writing down so many goals because sometimes actually not sometimes I've been really disappointed with um how hard you can work sometimes and achieving a goal it's kind of silly to to think that you can get there by yourself you always need people to believe in you and that hasn't always happened for me and so I think that I've had more of an emphasis now to enjoy the process and live in the present. So I've really just been, um, and this has, this has been way more before Corona, but like, I really just want to enjoy my day to day life. Like, and I've made it a point to finesse my day to day so that it reflects my priorities in life. So little things like calling my grandparents in um, in Mexico and checking up on them more often than just once in a blue moon. Um, but if I had to answer your question about my goals and dreams, I definitely want to, um, man, it's it's like I'm resisting. I can even feel myself resisting of saying anything because it's like I can't ignore the fear of not saying it. Yeah, of failing in one sense of another. You know, there's something. Yeah, there's people that say like, oh, you should say your goals publicly because it'll keep you accountable. But what if like you did all the, you cross all the X, whatever that saying is about you. You did everything you had to do, but it still doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Then there's such an embarrassment that happens with it and I used to be really outspoken about everything that I wanted to do and then it doesn't happen and then there is that self-shame that and then that questioning of like do they remember that I wanted to do this what do they think about it they haven't asked me about it is it because they don't care and like this is like this weird mind game that I my head plays with myself mm. <laughs> um, what, are your, what are your goals for tomorrow then not even just oh, that's great what are your tomorrow okay. goals I can do great with short-term goals. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just, I think that I want to make, like find a process and like make how to five, two as a project fit into my life in a way that doesn't take over my life. So right now I'm, just trying to be very thankful that I am forced to put our directing uh, endeavors off to the side and really just troubleshoot for a lack of better term, like how to five to. So it's like, okay, I need to find the workflow. I need to find like 
what type of what is my vibe when it comes to Instagram and YouTube and all the social media channels and still offer something that's valuable to fellow shorties. Um, but that doesn't define me as a creative. So that's a yeah, that's a good go. It's <laughs> a very good yeah. go. So that's like I think my the thing I'm working on right now. And then um very ambitious that would almost that would be like a yearly goal for some people they'd be like five years from now and you're like yeah but I like that that's really you're like an ambitious human being you're not like going around like dossing around living your your best life in your bed are you you're like I'm gonna go out I'm gonna do things I'm a hard worker you're a hard worker Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I definitely like to do all the things. And I mean, this like ambition of wanting to make How to Five Two like a thing. It's been a long time in the making. But to be honest, it's been because every time I pick it up, it takes over my life. And then I like throw it away because I'm like, I don't want to be defined by this one thing. So like, I'll pick it up when I have time. And so now is the time to like, have it like, make it what I want it to be in a way that fits into my life the way I want it to be. Um, but on a more personal level, I do, um, I think that I do want to be like a better, like, uh, wife and a better dog mom and a better friend and a better like granddaughter. So I know that as soon as all this is over, I want to go see my grandparents. So yeah, I know that's like more, maybe not super to myself but um I think like I hate talking on the phone and I'm very outspoken about how I hate talking on the phone and I was talking to my girlfriend last night for a little bit and it was so nice it was like why do I say I hate talking on the phone when I could talk to somebody that I like love you know it's so it's like I feel like I've been burned a little bit too many times by people that I there are some scabs there that I need to actively heal and just be willing to forgive and um, reconnect with fellow humans. <laughs> what would be a good one to finish on? Oh, well, let's just go for like an inane one. So like, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Like, are we a person? Do we like, oh, are you like, I don't like ice cream. I'm more of a savory person. Like, oh, let's no, go with no. snacks then. No, I like ice cream. I was thinking about it. Actually, my I guess my favorite frozen uh, treat would be uh, frozen strawberry frozen yogurt from this little small uh, shop in Glendale, California, called Yoga Ert. <laughs> <laughs> Yoga Ert is that what's yeah. the branding for that? Ah, uh, it's like a yoga symbol, or I I don't know the, oh, the, the correct it. term. Yeah, I and her dream—I know that the owner wanted to make like a yoga studio with a frozen, like a vegan frozen treat combo, but only her frozen treat part came to fruition, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is beautiful. That is this. Yeah. There's a beauty in that all of its own. <laughs> Yeah, and actually, I think they have another location in Echo Park for um, anyone in Los Angeles or that might visit. That's a lot more central to Mm. everything. Yeah, but it's delicious. It's like has probiotics. It's made out of almonds. 
I like to fool myself into thinking it's good for you, which yes. still has a ton of sugar. So that's debatable. <laughs> oh, I'm vegan. So I went, it, when I go, when oh. I finally come, I will, when I travel the world, I will go. Yes. Um, yes, I that will, sounds delicious. Tell me and I will take you on the most epic vegan tour of the city. Oh, it I, is, I'll take you up on that. so much good vegan food. Like I... This is literally vegan heaven. Um, you know Moby, the musician? Yes. He has a restaurant. Uh, it's called Little Pine in Silver Lake. And it is the best Italian, vegan Italian food you will ever, ever eat. Um, he also does brunch. And so we'll have to go there twice. And the croissants are better than normal croissants. Like these croissants like are the best croissants I've ever had in my entire life (laughs) I tell you what that's one of the major things I miss because I cannot get that many vegan croissants in because I live if I was in London it would be fine if I was in even in Leeds in in the UK fine. but I'm in I'm in North Wales and it's basically the back end of absolutely nowhere so (laughs) it's like you know what do people think the vegans want it's like oh well they definitely want avocados they definitely want some kind of salad and there are only so many times you can eat falafel and it's it's not even the kind of falafel that you want it's like apricot falafel with sultanas in it but then it's not even good do you you know it's like it's not it's not real falafel like if I want falafel I will have falafel but please stop trying to give me falafel as your only (laughs) vegan option as you can see I'm very impassioned about the falafel situation it It sounds like it (laughs) well you need to come here and I will relieve all your falafel frustrations Thank we you. won't have falafel. I actually don't have a falafel place, so we're good. <laughs> <sighs> amazing, amazing. That sounds great. Oh, you've been so generous with me, and I'm um, I really appreciate it. Um, and as a final rounding up question, where can everyone find you on your um, your social medias, or um, or if you don't want people to come and find you on social media, and you're like, I'm a hermit, hermit, leave me alone. You can say that as well. But is there anywhere people can follow you? Yes. So please follow me at how to five two either on Instagram or YouTube. I think that is the, that would be the one act of kindness that I will receive from the world. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Everyone should go and have a look and definitely follow and uh, and comment and subscribe because she's fantastic. Um, oh, your thank is you. Really, really brilliant. Um, <laughs> again, thank you so much for being so generous um, with, with your time. Um, this has been Callan FM, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Femme Creators. I'm Isabella Crowther. See you on the other side. Bye, 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 bye.